are invited to celebrate with Amy. Join the party as we gather creative tips and fun tricks for your next event. Come on in, grab a glass, and let's celebrate. Party people, welcome to episode nine of Celebrate with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Hernandez, owner of Immersive Events. In this episode, we'll be talking about what you should know when finding the venue for your events, and for those who already booked their venue, what you should think about now during shelter in place and post COVID, whatever that might be. First, I do have to start off with reminding us all yet again that we really are in such an uncertain time and it can be really frustrating. Trust me, I get it. I have had to cancel my events this past year, turn it to virtual, and my events that I have in September and October, I really just don't even know what to do with. I don't know if I should keep planning for it right now, if I should stop, what. So I get you, I am with you, girl, for real. And all we can do is be patient and consistently talk to our vendors, clients, families, friends, we'll figure it out. We just have to be patient. Second, for those of you who are planning your wedding or birthday or whatever the case may be, I'll give you straight up info on what to expect with your venues and pricing based on a webinar conversation I attended with Ailea. You'll hear me talk about Ailea a lot through my podcast because I am heavily involved, but it is an association of event professionals. So we're constantly talking to each other and figuring all of this out together as an industry. In that panel conversation, there was uh, Laura Pallotta. She is a regional VP of sales and distribution for the Marriott Canada. And Sarah Groff, who is CSCP, who is the senior vice president of event strategy and services at Giants Enterprises in San Francisco. And there was another person. uh, Sorry, I forgot your name and your title. But these three people were really well versed in the venues aspect of things and were telling us, kind of what to expect as professionals and where the venue world is going. So there are things you should think about right now with your venue. Whether you're newly engaged and just looking for one or you already booked your venue but postponed and are waiting to see what we're gonna do in the fall or winter of this year, right? Again, I said I was on the same boat. But one of the things you should really do is talk to your venue about what they're doing moving forward. Can you trust your venue for safety and cleanliness protocols to make your guests feel more safe? Because honestly, yeah, even though your friends and family absolutely love you and want to be there for your special day or other occasion, you have to, have to respect the fact that some of them may be scared to attend and you can't fault them for that. Everyone is moving through this pandemic differently. So even if you think, nah, they're going to be there, they're not going to miss this, they're always going to be there for me. Yeah, maybe that's true. But you do have to think about how they're going to feel at your event, even if they do go, do you really want your guests to feel scared at your venue? So be proactive with your communication. Tell them, yo, this is what the venue is doing. This is what we're doing to make you feel safe and welcome because we really, really want you there. But if you can't, if you really are scared, then we have this virtual option for you. So like really think about your different guests and what they're capable of doing and what their fears might be if you're deciding to keep your event this year. So yeah, ask your venue that question, what cleanliness protocols are they implementing, but also if there's going to be any changes to prices or if you're locked down with what you're booked for. Keep in mind that the prices at your venue might increase because of everything that they have to add on, right? It could be cleaning supplies or cleaning staff. 
if you're going with the catering at the venue, they might not be able to do buffets anymore. So that means they have to increase, again, the staff and the items that they have to use for food. We know the buffets are the cheapest option, but ultimately it's not up to them. It's up to the county and the safety and health guidelines. Another thing to think about is the capacity of your venue. Maybe pre-COVID, they could fit 200 people but they might have to decrease it because of, again, social distancing guidelines. They might not allow you to fill a usual 10-person table. You might have to cut it down to six to eight people per table. So this might be a time where you have to rethink your filler guests and only focus on your must-have guests. Some of the hotels are wondering if a dance floor is even going to be available at their venues because of what specific cities are saying. So it's all really going to depend on where you live. Also, some venues might get more strict with their preferred lists because they want to make sure that they're working with vendors that they can trust to adhere to safety guidelines too. These are just some things to think about that's often overlooked, and I'm not here to try to scare you. I'm really not. I'm just kind of giving you a heads up, right? Kind of know what to expect, but it all depends on each venue. So talk to your venue about it. And if anything, this will help you at least be proactive when you're thinking about your guest list, when you're thinking about seating, and again, the communication to all your guests and making them feel more comfortable. But when you're talking to your venue, be patient with them. Be absolutely patient, guys, because they're figuring it out too. This is the first time it's happened. We're all a little lost. So it's important to sprinkle a little kindness with who we're talking to, even though we could be frustrated. Lastly, I wanted to introduce my good friend who will be answering a few of your venue questions in this episode. Joining us today is Pam Perez, CSEP, which stands for a Certified Special Events Professional. She's currently the Director of Event Services for Metro Events, which manages Pier 27, 29, and Pier 35 along the waterfront in San Francisco. She's also serving as the immediate past president of ILEA Northern California chapter. I've sat on the board with Pam for a few years now, and I can tell you she's one of the most well-versed event professionals in the industry. I really go to her for advice on events and honestly connections. She looks over my resume like she is amazing and I'm super happy that she can join us to answer some questions about venues. So let's meet Pam Perez. Yeah, my name is Pam Perez, CSEP. I am currently the Director of Event Services at Metro Events. Um, We manage uh, Pier 27, Pier 29, and Pier 35 over in San Francisco. And I sit on the board of uh, with Amy at ILEA, and I'm currently the immediate past president for ILEA Northern California chapter. And when you're not in the events world, what are you doing for fun? (laughs) If I'm not in the events world right now, I've been baking a whole lot, cooking. I have a 13-year-old son that keeps me busy. Usually I travel. I wish I could travel right now. (laughs) It's an interesting time. But yeah, going out and eating and exploring different restaurants and bars was my biggest thing. And Pam loves her wine too. (laughs) Yes, I love wine. We love going out to our wine bars. I do miss the wine bars and going out to bars with my friends. (laughs) So how long have you been in the event business? Oh gosh, Um, I would say right now a total of 20 years completely. So I started out doing nonprofit fundraising events, kind of fell into it because I was really wanting to give back to the community. So when I was about to graduate college, I was doing internships at nonprofits and doing some counseling here and there. 
I went to college for, uh, I have a minor in counseling and then a BA in liberal studies. So I was supposed to be a teacher or a counselor. What? I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to be a teacher or a counselor. And, and I said, oh, I don't know if I want to teach and, you know, go for the teaching accreditation and all that. Finally, I was like, okay, I need to get a full-time job. And then someone, you know, it's kind of like who you know, right? Then someone recommended me for a, you know, a development job, like a development assistant job doing donor letters and doing the event for the nonprofit. And so they put on like a huge thousand person plus gala luncheon every year. So that took up a lot of our time. And back then, you know, you actually still mailed out invitations. So the mailings would be really crazy, like, you know, 2000 invites. And then from there, I was like, well, I need to get paid more. And so then I fell into event planning and corporate event planning and then worked for a destination management company for a little while. And from there, I went to catering. And then I was at the catering company for 10 years. And that was my longest stint. And that gave me like the most experience, I would say. And then I fell into venues. <laughs> so You're such a well rounded events person. <laughs> So I don't know, it just goes by really fast, though, in the events industry, I feel like it blows by. So what do you specifically do with venues? So my current role in venues, you know, I did venue sales, I still do venue sales to this day. But I, you know, did venue sales and all that. But also in my current role, I do also operations and kind of working with the Metro Events team and the Port of San Francisco, kind of with all the different policies, procedures, contract, vendor relations. So a little bit of everything, like whatever, you know, getting things um, streamlined for sales and streamlined for operations. And there's a lot of rules and regulations with doing events at our buildings because we're associated with the Port of San Francisco. There's a little bit more stricter policies. And so helping people now navigate that and trying to trying to make it as simple as possible but you know still sticking with what we really can do and what you can't do and stuff like that and how do you like doing venue sales now in comparison to all your other positions it's interesting because when i went to venue sales it was first i was before i came to metro i was at the 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 fine arts museum so i was doing museum venue sales um and it's a totally different beat it's same and different like because it's you know museums you have really strict restrictions too like it's a museum first and so obviously the artwork <laughs> is the most important thing so and then with the the port it's very similar you know people just see a big open space but they don't realize it's like it's actually a wooden structure like you know a couple of our buildings are completely wooden structures so you really can't do a lot of like open flame they're very cautious about open flames and anything flammable inside the building or bringing in too many cars things like that so venue sales versus like doing catering and event sales i just feel like you're still selling a service or a product it's just a different per product or service you're selling right you know in catering it was food and beverage and the experience guests and attendees venue is more like working with like the planner or the producer on really having them understand the different um, nuances of the policies and procedures in the building and um, making sure they adhere to it and they hire the right vendors and they understand the rules and regulations and so a lot of it is like 
we always say we're always explaining, <laughs> you know, and even though we have like, you know, the documents, all the documentation of like, here's all the policies and procedures, read them. You know, most people, most people read them. I don't say, and then some, most people read them, but then they still like, maybe don't understand it or they just want clarification. So it's a lot of repeating, um, things like that. Do you handle a lot of inquiries from not necessarily event planners, but just the general public, like a bride and groom? Yeah, so we just recently launched our wedding packages for Pier 27. We were getting a lot of, before, you know, when the venues first launched, they didn't really get a lot of wedding inquiries. It's a really large venue. Pier 27 is like over 54,000 square feet. Um, so that's really large. But now, well, now with the wedding market the way it is, do you get large wedding inquiries, you know, 250 plus, I always say feels comfortable in our space. So we get both. We get brides and grooms individually. We get wedding planners. We get producers. We get wedding designers. We get all sorts of inquiries. What's a top question that a bride and groom would ask when they're inquiring about your venue? And it doesn't, maybe not just Metro, but if at the Fine Arts Museum and stuff, like, is there a common question that, question or questions that people have asked you? The common questions are usually, um, the, are the prices flexible? They're like price points for different days, you know, um, is a good, is a question we get asked a lot, you know, usually also catering, you know, can they bring in their own cater or is there, is, is there a closed list that they have to select from, you know, for us, you know, the one question I always used to ask brides and grooms when they inquire is like, and it's an uncomfortable topic, whether it's a, a bride and groom or a corporate client, I always ask like, you know, what is your overall budget for your event? Because I can kind of gauge already if the right space for them, you know, because they, you do have to put in some extra work or decoration or florals or lighting or lighting packages and stuff. So it all adds up. <laughs> and when people are looking at a venue, what should they take into consideration when finding the perfect venue for them? I would say really understanding your budget, really outlining your budget and coming in there, knowing what your budget is, um, and also understanding your vision for it. You're going to do a 250-person, 300-person, 400-person <laughs> event or wedding. Um, that's going to cost a lot more money, and you know, it, it, every little piece adds up. Or you're going to do a small, intimate wedding. You can find a smaller venue and be less costly, regards to rentals, catering, alcohol, things like that. So I think really sitting down and piecing together like what realistically, <laughs> you know, you want to spend. And then, you know, reaching out to some some vendors and some venues just to get a sense because I know people, this is maybe their first time planning an event, right? So if it's your first time planning any type of event, reach out, ask questions, ask like, what is your price point? Because it'll give you a sense of are you going to do it at a venue like ours or the museum where it's you have to bring everything single thing in like every rental item every china every glassware everything you have to bring in right and rent um, and you have to bring in the food and the beverage or is it at a hotel or is it at a restaurant where it's a little bit turnkey and easier and you don't have to worry as much about i have to bring in 
a table. <laughs> I have to bring in the chair. So in talking about budget, what does the cost look like in the Bay Area, generally speaking? And what does that include typically when it comes to venues? Because we always hear the Bay Area venues are so expensive, right? How does that <laughs> actually look like? Yeah. I mean, I can give you a range because I don't want to speak for every venue. And then also, you know, keep in mind every venue is so different in size and capacity and also offerings. Like, so some, I know some venues are offering like tables or chairs, you know, and some venues don't like have anything. Our space does not really come with anything, you know, as in tables or chairs or furniture. And then I know some spaces have tables or chairs available that you can but they may charge you extra for it. And so you might not want it, right? Because you have a specific look you're going for and you're not going to want the, I hate to say, yellow chairs. You know, you want like whatever color they are, red or black or whatever it is. So I would say size-wise and budget, you know, for our venue, it's pretty large, but we have a separate package for our venue. So it starts at $25,000 for like, this is more of the wedding and social package. Corporate's a different package. Um, and I know when we were researching and, you know, doing research about venues of our size, spaces that are blank, create how, whatever look you want in our venue, it's about the, about that range, about, I would say 15 up to, you know, you're probably looking at 30,000, 30, you know, and I would say for museums, it's even more depending on the maybe area you're renting. And some, some venues do do that. Some venues will like all 25,000 square feet, you can just rent 15,000 square feet. So that might be a smaller price package. So that's a good question to ask venues too. Like you have to rent all of it or is it available to rent part of it? I know that venues sometimes have preferred vendor list. Why do they have a preferred vendor list? And is it really required for brides and grooms? or specific people who are renting your venue to use that list? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. Venues put together preferred or approved lists for vendors because they do so much business. And it's always nice to have vendors that are in there often that know your venue, that know the rules and regs. They know how to operate the elevator without damaging it. They know how to operate the doors or know like, hey, you're not supposed to block that pathway or that doorway. So it's not like teaching a whole new vendor team over and over again. So when they, you know, a certain vendor has been in your building like five times this week, it's a lot, a lot easier. You don't have to worry as much um, as a venue person. And then same thing with catering, it goes with catering. You know, a lot of venues will either have approved catering lists so that you have to select those caterers. So they may be, they may range from 10 caters to like to 15 caters that you can select from. But definitely the reason for that is especially if they have to cook the food or prepare your food at the venue, it's a lot easier to have the same vendors in there often. And they just know how to make it successful. And it not, not just for obviously the venue to feel calm and safe and feel like they're being, they're taking care of the venue for you, but also, you know, that they know how to execute a successful, successful event in the space for a client. They can tell the client, you can't, can't do a barbecue there because you can't cook, you can't have open flames or you can't have that menu item there. So, so they don't need to keep going back and forth. They just know it. There's this idea that it's cheaper during off season versus on season. Is 
this true? And what's off season? How significantly cheaper is it? Yeah, I think unfortunately in the Bay Area, <laughs> there is no, <laughs> no, seriously, I, I honestly don't think in the Bay Area, there is an on season and an off season because we have great weather for the most part. And then during the holidays or the winter season, it's all like holiday parties and corporate events that you're competing with. So unfortunately, there isn't an off season. I think it may apply to possibly venues and wineries up in, you know, Napa and Sonoma area more that I could see happening. But I think most venues stay away from that because it's just easier to have that flat pricing. I think there's more or flexibility in availability. If you're like, Hey, I want to book a wedding in February or, you know, February or March or January, because usually those months are like quieter. So you're maybe able to get the dates you want, but maybe not the outdoor, you know, the outdoor wedding or the outdoor photo that you want. But yeah, unfortunately, we, <laughs> I don't know if there is a cost savings. You just get more more flexibility, I think, in availability, but I don't yeah, how about a Thursday or Friday versus Saturday? They think that days matter if you're on a weekend versus a weekday. How about that difference? Yeah, I don't think, not for venues. Um, I don't think for venues such as ours, like I would say blank venues such as ours, I think it would apply for more like the restaurants and the maybe the hotels because they're looking to fill their spaces on a weekday night. But I think because the Bay Area being the way it is, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of uh, off, off season or off dates. Um, but you may get, like I said, you may get more flexibility from like the restaurants and hotel, hotels, uh, sort of venues. So you said that one question that brides and grooms would ask is about pricing and the flexibility. Some people do think that you can negotiate pricing with venues. Is this something that people or clients can do? How does that work? It depends on the venue. I think it depends on the, de the venue and the demand. If you're going over, going to, I could say, like the Legion of Honor or a museum or something like that nature, they're not going to be flexible with you because they're, they're a nonprofit entity. That's not something they're willing to negotiate on usually. Some of the larger private venues such as ours or private entities, they may be able to, maybe sometimes they'll throw in something instead, like, oh, well, we'll throw in an extra hour for load-in or something like that. I think it just depends. I, I wouldn't go, you know, I would advise people never go in with, hey, what's the best deal I can get? <laughs> you know, because I don't think that's fair for, for anybody, you know, I think we're all in this a business, you know, and we we're, we're all here to provide a service and provide a space for your event. And it, you know, I don't think people understand, like, just because you're renting an event space or venue, that there's not other work going behind the scenes. So like janitorial and security and keeping it clean and fixing the damages, and then all the paperwork that goes behind the scenes, right? So for us, there's a lot of permittings and like lots of permits and floor plans and uh, review processes for the floor plans, corralling all the different vendors for a vendor walkthrough and the time that goes into that. I'm glad you mentioned that, the kind of behind the scenes that people don't really look at when they're trying to rent a venue, because they, yeah, they can easily forget about that because they're not in that process. So talking about the process and comparing it to the pricing is really important. I know that a common 
thing that people would say is, oh, I don't need a day of wedding planner or event planner because the venue comes with it. What do those coordinators at the venue actually do and don't do? And how are they different from actual wedding day of management or coordination? For us, every venue, I always say, I'm going to keep saying that every venue is different. But for us and most venues of our size, you know, when we say that you have a venue coordinator on site, that person is really just there to, I hate to say, unlock the doors make sure your vendors, you know, like, hey, if you rented the venue starting at 6 a.m., we unlock the doors at 6 a.m. for your vendors to access your, your the event space and start setting up. We're also there to oversee all the vendors to make sure they're not damaging the building so that you're not getting a bill at the end of, <laughs> of the night. I don't want you to end up with a $5,000 bill because your vendor smashed a window, you know, or whatever, you know. So that's what they're primarily there for, right, is, and that, you know, adjusting the lighting, adjusting the air, con- you know, AC unit, if there's AC and heat, right, making sure doors are unlocked, elevators are programmed correctly, rooms are cleaned and maintained, right, um, with the janitorial company, all the security officers are all in place where they're supposed to be before your guests arrive, you know, and like I said, and, and then all the doors are unlocked for the guests when they arrive. Um, and also, you know, obviously, yeah, they'll go there, they're going to check in with you and make sure like, hey, are you okay? Is everything good? But They're not there, like, especially for a wedding, they're not there to, um, what is it, manage your vendors. So our venue coordinators aren't there to make sure that the caterer brought your wedding cake or or that your cake cutting utensils are on the table or your flutes, your champagne flutes are on table setting. We're we're not there to make sure that the caterer brought the right entrees for you or the florist brought the right color flowers and all that. So, you know, our venue coordinators and most venue coordinators don't do that. Definitely, I always recommend, you know, for at least our venue, we do require brides and grooms to um, have a wedding coordinator, at least a day of, or not even day of, we always say month of, because really, there's so much going on with your wedding. Um, There's not just the venue and the rental company. It's venue, rental company, catering company, florists entertainment, musician, DJ, lighting and AV, photo booth sometimes, right? Um, Maybe an activity, who knows, right? Um, So you really need someone there to coordinate all that and make sure everything's in the right place that you wanted. And also a wedding coordinator can also help with the ceremony. We don't help with the ceremony. You know, we're not going to tell a bride or groom like, hey, it's time to walk down the aisle, anything like that. So you definitely, I would definitely recommend having a a planner or at least a month of coordinator to really sit down with you to go through all the logistics, like, you know, and also who's going to stay at the end of the night. Like you're not going to want to stay at the end of the night. You're supposed to go on your honeymoon or go to your wedding suite or after party, your wedding coordinator, you know, should be the one staying at the end of the night, making sure all the vendors leave and all the vendors take their equipment and then they they, you know, sign off with the, the venue coordinator, the venue manager and say goodnight and make sure everything's kind of left the way you got it. I'm glad that you laid it out because there are so many people who really have that misconception of 
know my venue comes with the coordinator already. So it's all good. I don't need to hire anyone else. But the fact that that coordinator is focused on their venue, they're not necessarily focused on you and everyone else. They're focused on what's happening in their location. (laughs) Exactly. And I would just recommend couples really ask the venue, like, what is the whatever they call it, venue coordinator or whatever, like, what are they there to do? And I would say still get a day of coordinator no matter what just to help how many months in advance do you suggest folks to book their date with the venue or to start looking yeah I mean I think it just depends I think it you know the size of your wedding and the size of your event and what you know how much planning is gonna have to go into it right maybe a smaller wedding might not take as long time but it may be really complicated because you have so many traditions you want to do there's a specific day that you really want because it's very significant to you or your family, I would definitely say 12 to 14 months in advance, at least 14 months is good, because then at least you can kind of gauge what type of venue you want, right? What kind of vision you want for your wedding or event and then you know by 12 months most most venues don't release their calendars until 12 months out for weddings and then you know then kind of narrowing it down to which venues you want to book in uncertain times like this one when we're in covid i know that there are a lot of really anxious people who have venues booked uh, they don't know if their event is going to happen they don't know where they stand where the venue stands what they could do and some of them are thinking about canceling their wedding or event even if the venue hasn't said really going to be closed during that month what advice do you have for people who are unsure about if they should cancel their wedding if they're going to be charged extra for the venue what do they need to know when talking to the venue I would say most venues right now um, just from my knowledge of talking to other venues managers, you know, they're really taking everything on a case by case basis, especially ones that are already that are in contract right now, because everything's changing daily, if not hourly, (laughs) with the the different COVID-19 restrictions in every city and every county and stuff like that. You know, talk to your venue, what would it look like if we decide to postpone the wedding to 2021. What does it look like if I can't hold my wedding? Definitely talk to your venue because every, I can't, I don't want to speak for for different venues, but in different counties, but it's so different for each space. I know some venues are willing to apply deposits to the future wedding date. If you do do that, some people are charging, some venues are charging at least an administration fee just because there's a lot of paperwork associated with moving things over. Some are like, yeah, maybe only half of it can be applied to a reschedule. So everybody's really different right now. What about the force majeure clause? I know that that comes up a lot with venues. Can you talk about that a little bit? uh, I could, but I'm not an attorney. So... <laughs> I even reach out to my risk manager in my legal department to be like, is this does this fall into that? Yeah. Yeah, does this fall into force majeure? Obviously, the last few months, March, April, and May, it's been easier, right? We're in force majeure. We can't perform our duties. Like I can't provide my services to you who rented the venue. You will get your money back. because of the government restriction. What is happening right now is you have a wedding booked in September and October. Those are the ones that are like 
what do we do? <laughs> and I can't tell you, you know, I, no one can tell you what to do. I think it's more of a, it's going to be a really personal decision that, and that's again, going back to our previous conversation of you really should talk to your venue right now. San Francisco still hasn't determined if uh, mass gatherings and events can take place. They haven't said no, but they haven't said yes. <laughs> well, I don't so know. <laughs> we're kind of all in limbo. We're all kind of like, I don't know. And that's what I've been telling our clients. Um, mostly it's corporate, but I'm like, it's really up to you to make that determination of are you having you know if your wedding's mostly people from the bay area and they don't have to travel and take up airplane maybe you keep it you know and take that risk or if everybody's traveling from i don't know new york or international places maybe it's better you postpone it because you want maybe you know you want your family there like i said it's different for different people and way you know if you have an attorney or somebody in the family that's an attorney they can help you determine that but i think you know moving forward like other couples who are booking weddings for 2021 or the future. Those are the things to look at now really closely is cancellation policies and clauses, rescheduling clauses, and like you said, the force majeure. Basically, don't overlook it. I know that a lot of people don't overlook, overlook it because they're like, nah, it's cool. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, everybody does. It's one of those sections in the pair, in the contract that you're like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> but, but then when shit hits the fan. Now everybody's like, oh my gosh. Now, oh my God, everybody's pulling out their contracts going, what is the force majeure clause? And then, you know, I hate to say it, some some of our smaller vendor friends don't even have force majeure clauses in their contracts, you know, because nothing's hey, happened. Nothing has happened in the past, but now it's like, oh, wow, now I better put a force majeure clause in my contract. Other than venues, I think that's um, all the questions that I have for venues for those that are interested and who want to know. What is your favorite thing about the events and the relationships I've built throughout the years and that that there are still people in the events industry that I started out with early on in my career and we're still in touch and we're still in contact and I can reach out to them and ask them questions or or they're a good resource for you know, picking their brain or like, how did you do this? And then also I would say the relationships and then also just events have changed so much through the years and seeing it, how, how it's transformed. And even right now, as you know, like what we were talking about earlier, how it's transformed now into like, how do you do a virtual, <laughs> a virtual event? And how do you do a virtual conference? And now I have friends who are, you know, talking about virtual weddings and I'm like, I don't know. For me as a venue, it sucks because, you know, I'm like, uh, where's everybody going to go? <laughs> I'm like, this has to happen the way it's happening now. But it's really interesting to see, like, you know, the advances in so many different arenas, like technology and rentals and food service ideas and stuff like that. It's really uh, amazing to see, like, the creativity that goes behind yeah, it. Yeah, I know. And it's something that we talked about earlier, too. A lot of these people have been thinking about how they can utilize this space differently. Somebody else mentioned it to me, but there's been inquiries around San Francisco that's like, how can we use this outdoor space to do a drive-in theater 
So not just the typical drive-in theaters that we see around the Bay Area that's already existing, but they're trying to utilize this space differently that's always been there and changing that up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, yeah, like looking, you know, we have an outdoor space and parking lot like we talked about and our outdoor parking lot. Now now I'm getting inquiries about drive-in movies and somebody wanting to do like a parade sort of situation and a drive-through parade, like something totally different. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of those um, before we go back to like our normalcy of doing events. can do drive-in weddings <laughs> they could be in their car they could yeah. be in their car just around mm-hmm. the bride and groom <laughs> and the uh, yeah that's actually kind of cute <laughs> that's a cute alternative <laughs> i mean why not if you could find the sp- pretty space to do it in that'd be kind of fun well thank you again for joining us yeah. and for being here and i know that our venues is a topic that people really sometimes feel anxious about because it is kind of a make or break thing for your event, right? You have to pick the right venue. And yeah, I just thank you again for joining us and sharing your expertise. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here for it. And hopefully this will help out with some of your listeners who are planning their their big day or, you know, or their other social event. All right. So what would you like to cheers to? What are you drinking? Ooh, I'm drinking, well, because it's kind of still middle of the day, I am drinking uh, watermelon kombucha. So <laughs> no alcohol yet. <laughs> cheers to the future of the events industry that, you know, that we can all get together in person again yes soon. cheers to that cheers, cheers. Yay, thank you again to pam for joining us and leading this general conversation about venues i hope you got a few of your questions answered and that any confusion about the difference between a venue coordinator versus a day or month of co- wedding or event coordinator is all gone <laughs> hire the right people y'all hire the right people the best thing you can do right now is to again talk to your venues Be transparent and kind. Tell them about your concerns and any questions you might have. Every venue is different, so Pam couldn't provide us very specific answers, but it's up to you to really chat with your venue, negotiate with them, depending on where you are. I'll mention that on a personal level, I was able to negotiate a few items with my own wedding venue because I knew how to talk to them as a professional event planner. If you're iffy, talk to your wedding planner about how to negotiate items. That's what they're there for, to help and guide you through your planning process, and sometimes These planners also have relationships with the venue, so it's easier for them to talk to each other. The same goes for any celebrations too, not just weddings. If you have any other questions regarding venues that you'd want me to ask Pam, feel free to email me through my website, www.immersiveevents.com, or message me on Instagram at celebratewithamy. Just a friendly reminder to please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and rate on Apple Podcasts. Okay, okay, party people, until next time. Sending you all the love and confetti.